0: With great pleasure and honor, that I welcome Sir Martin Sorrell, Executive Chairman S4 Capital. Sir Martin, thank you for your time and for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Ranjana.
0: Sir Martin, has COVID nineteen been a time of profound change for you personally? How are you managing people within and across your companies at this time? Well,
1: it's been a profound change for everybody. I'm obviously talking to an Indian audience, and. even at this time, what, a year, more than a year into this, a year and a quarter or a year and a half into this, uh, it's still having a profound effect, uh, particularly in countries such as India. We're seeing still a very significant effect in South America and parts of Asia Pacific, beyond India, in Tokyo and in Japan. Obviously, it's impacting the Olympics, uh, if that happens uh, or not, which scale it happens. So, uh, to say it doesn't have a profound effect would be an extremely bad thing to say. It clearly has had a major effect from way of life, personally, professionally, family-wise, etc. Having said that from a, a business point of view, given the fact that S4 is a, a purely digital operation, not just digital first, digital through and through, it clearly is a really a situation and uh, an age which has stimulated, it's accelerated digital adoption and transformation at three levels. At consumer level, because consumers are educating their kids online, they're taking financial services online in homes, games and entertainment, ordering essentials and groceries. Americans in America, 30% of the population ordered essentials and groceries for the first time online. So, it's obviously impacted consumers. It's impacted the media, as you know. So all the trends that we saw happening around streamers, as opposed to free-to-air TV, about uh, accelerating the declines of radio, of uh, TV, and free-to-air TV, and newspapers and magazines, all that has been accelerated. The demise of traditional billboard and the rise of uh, digital billboard has stimulated, obviously, that trend too. So obviously with media. And then finally, enterprise companies uh, have accelerated their digital transformation because in Q2, particularly of last year, blew a hole in their, their p and and their, their balance sheets, and they decided to accelerate their digital transformation. So it's had a very profound effect on consumers, on media, uh, and on enterprises. I don't think it's created necessarily new stuff it's accelerated old stuff. So, And also the way we live and the way that we work. I mean, more working from home, obviously, that will continue. There'll be a hybrid model, in our own case, probably three days a week in the office and two days out. More varied working patterns, commuting patterns, living patterns. Some people in America, for example, will move to Lower tax states and less dense cities and towns, and you've seen already seen shift from California to Texas to Florida to Colorado. So, and that may actually reduce or change patterns of salaries and uh, and payments. So, you have seen very significant shifts and changes. From a personal point of view, there's been much less travelling, and will probably mean that my travelling pattern will change over time as well. There'll probably be Fewer trips, longer duration, certainly after. I mean, at the moment, if you want to travel internationally, it's um, very difficult. Within America, I went recently, it's it's remarkable how quickly that has snapped back and, and how the airlines domestically are probably running at about 90% of previous capacity, putting in new routes, whereas internationally, of course, it's pretty empty and, of course, quite difficult because of vaccination and continuous uh, re-examination and retesting so but quite rightly so in these very difficult environments so very profound effects and changes and i think these changes if they're not permanent they will be much longer term than people think so the impact on cities the impact on people on working patterns and living patterns well i think would be much more significant than people uh, know yeah you've mentioned uh, also that s4 is digitally
0: through and through Right. So this brings us to the point of, uh, you know, you require creativity in such an environment. And this brings us again to remote working. So do you think that uh, remote working, you know, is conducive to creativity? You know, this requires a high level of collaboration and especially in high touch environments. You know, how do you how do we get teams to kind of remain creative while working remote?
1: Well, there's you know, there's a lot of discussion about that. There's a lot of um, debate about whether proximity you know, you see for example in the investment banking world which many people may think is not creative but is pretty creative actually david solomon of uh, goldman sachs is saying people have to be back in the office by june i mean there are differences of view my own view uh, you know i'm 76 and i should be uh, there's a bit about this control phenomenon here that, that if okay. you have people in the office you can see what they're doing and If they're not in the office, they're not doing what you want them to do, and productivity is low. I don't think that's the the case. I mean, we can measure productivity quite effectively through technology. Mm -hmm. And I don't think our uh, productivity has changed dramatically uh, since uh, COVID kicked in a year or so ago. In fact, I think it's pretty much stayed the same. And what we lose through people being at home, and obviously, work-life balance alters we gain because of lack of commuting time. So I think there is a worthwhile debate, but a bit of it is about control, that in the old approach and old system, if you had people sitting in you know, in the office and you can see what they're doing, that in some way you have greater control over them. And I think that's a phenomenon of my generation rather than uh, millennial generations or Gen Z or whatever you want to call it. Having said that, You know, I think the hybrid model is more likely to gain traction, particularly in the short to medium term. That's what we will be doing. Maybe in the longer term, when people become more relaxed, but, you know, high office buildings with lots of elevators are going to be at a disadvantage. I mean, it's going to be quite difficult. COVID is going to be with us for a number of years, and we're going to have to be taking measures, you know, whether it's testing and tracing or whatever it happens to be vaccinations will be improved over time, even more so than they they have. And it's quite remarkable what the healthcare industry has done in a very short period of time in in various parts of the world. But um, on balance, our approach will change, but there will be others who take a different approach. Cities will ebb and flow. Some cities like San Francisco will be badly affected. We've already seen that. Some other cities, uh, such as maybe Boston with biotech and and healthcare at its center will be aided. We've certainly seen California suffer and maybe not LA, but certainly San Francisco and Florida pick up and Texas pick up. So there will be varied patterns as a result.
0: Right. right. Recently, you know, it's a very interesting thing. Uh, Eric Yuan, CEO from Zoom, said that he had suffered from something called Zoom fatigue after having had to take up more than 19 Zoom calls in a day. So have you like had a similar experience, especially during the start of COVID? Do you long for those good old days uh, where you were able to catch up over a cup of coffee or your probably a favorite drink? Well
1: yes and no. I mean it is it is extremely efficient. And I can understand the Zoom fatigue. I mean, today we've been uh, on an investment conference and it's been, you know, every 40 minutes with about a 10 minute 10, well, not even a 10 minute gap because you always overlap and you you go into the time. So it's been pretty fatiguing. And I'm sure by the end of the day, I I will have uh, had enough. But having said that, it is quite efficient. And it is amazing what you can do through the technology. And going back to your question about creativity, there are ways that you can stimulate creativity. I mean, we saw in the early days of the pandemic in April of last year, a switch to robotics, to to robotic production, to animation, uh, to switching live events to online events. We saw that And our content business, which is 70% of our revenue, has pivoted very rapidly to that and very efficiently and very effectively. So there are ways of using technology. And technology will continuously improve. It's not static. So Zoom technology or the Microsoft or Google technologies will all develop, Facebook technologies will all develop over time into much more sophisticated ways. And, you know, we... When we got into, we have our daily meeting of our top eight people, and I remember we were discussing in May of last year. We were a little bit worried about whether Zoom reduces or technologies like that reduces sort of creativity or creative differences, and we found ways. You know, for example, there's an article in the New York Times about one of our people using Epic's Fortnite games, uh, an avatar in the games, to meet meet a client. So, a client had the avatar and. And uh, one of our people had it, and they met through the game. So there, there are plenty of ways of using technology in highly creative ways, particularly as that technology develops and becomes more sophisticated. So all is not lost. I mean, obviously, human contact, exchange, involvement is critically important, and it is important. For example, we are redesigning our office space, areas where colleagues can meet, areas where c- colleagues can work and areas where they can meet clients are so, all different
0: right and very interesting i mean technology and what you are probably also doing is crazy also um, just a, a very other, other, another fact is in his 1997 essay michael goldhaber in predicts online influencers so and perhaps we see this today as a shorthand for advertising you know where uh, everyone's trying to get your attention do you think that this is sustainable in the long run? Should big tech be winding down some of the techniques they're using to get people hooked overall? Like, is this healthy? Is this sustainable?
1: You're using the word hooked, in, in, implying it's some form of drug, which is a, a little bit of a loaded way of putting it. You mentioned influencers. Influencers, to me, is a subset of the content industry. You know, we have an influencer company, IMA, that we brought into Media Monks and has okay. become an integrated part of our content practice and, indeed, S4 as a whole. So we continue to develop that. You know, tech comes in for a lot of um, slagging off, and I think unfairly so because uh, those platforms, Google, Facebook, Amazon, for example, Tencent, Alibaba, TikTok, are the engines of growth for small and medium-sized businesses. And those those businesses provide a lot of the jobs which are critically important, particularly during a pandemic or as a result of a pandemic. So really getting to grips with it, with the technology. I mean, Jack Ma always said Alibaba is the engine, continues to say, is the engine of growth for the Chinese entrepreneur, whether it be in China or ultimately as it expanded or tried to expand around the world. And Google, Facebook, and Amazon probably depend for about 60% of their revenues. We get a number from Facebook on the number of business customers they have or advertisers they have, but we don't really know the percentage of revenue. And I think one of the reasons they don't give that number is that we would all be surprised by the significance that small businesses have in terms of the development of those platforms and vice versa. So, you know, when you talk about it's somewhat emotive to talk about people being hooked by it. Obviously, there are issues around privacy. There are issues around brand safety. There are issues around interference in elections. But I think the platforms have made, some would say, not strenuous efforts, but I think strenuous efforts. I mean, Facebook has hired at least 30,000 people to monitor editorial content. So I think they have gone a long way to trying to deal with it. Uh, Google's decision on on third-party cookies, Apple's decision on IDFA, are all examples of making decisions around these areas in advance. I mean, I'm sure that Google, not sure, I believe that Google made that decision about third-party cookers because they feared regulatory involvement. They saw what was happening in Australia. They worried about what might happen in France and other other parts of the world.
0: Right. Uh, You mentioned editorial content. So I just want to jump into that because I have a special question for you. So one interesting fact that you actually mentioned in one of your interviews a year or two back was that a a trend where today tech companies are actively hiring for editorial roles – so this in a sense gives us the view that you know brands or tech companies or tech firms are uh, very very aware of how they represent themselves online uh, so what are your predictions for those who aim to grow in the digital space what direction are uh, we who are gunning for digital you know what is the future for us
1: well uh, i mean if you look at digital i mean there are three markets the total addressable market for s4 is about 1.8 trillion dollars about 500, 550 billion in media, about 500 billion in marketing services, and about 700 billion in uh, trade budgets. And we look at that, that 1.7, 1.8 trillion, about 50% of the media piece of it is already digital. It's forecast to be 70% by 2026. It's growing currently by about, well, this year probably will grow by about 20%, whereas traditional will probably grow by about seven maybe, eight. We'll see how it, how it pans out. The, the growth figures in April in the US are very strong for the industry as a whole, uh, with digital up 83%, and I think traditional up 17 and the market up 53 So we're talking about huge growth rates in April, and we're seeing that in our own business. You know, we saw an acceleration, what organic growth rate is about 33% in Q1, having been... When you went through the four quarters of last year, it was uh, 19, plus 19, plus 3. This is all organic, plus 23, plus 27, plus 33. And my view is it will accelerate in Q2 of this year. And this year, we've upped our guidance to 30% from 25% before. So digital growth is going to continue at significant rates. You look at Google, it looks like you extrapolate their Q1 for the year, $180 billion to $240 billion in terms of revenues. Facebook 80 to 110, Amazon 20 to 35. That's 100 billion plus of new revenues in digital. Some of it comes from traditional media, some of it is increase in primary demand for for digital, some of it comes from the smaller companies as uh, I mentioned before. So you've got, you know, lots of sources. So some of it's primary demand and some of it is secondary demand and and pulling money from traditional. But the outlook is very strong. You know, we have two secular, well, two two growth drivers, tailwinds. First, the secular growth of digital transformation. As I said, it's 50% of media now. It will be 70% by 2026. So there's secular growth there, irrespective of what's happening in economic conditions. And then this year and next year, with the rebound from the pandemic, obviously in India, it's probably going to be slower given what's happened with the pandemic recently. But there will be a rebound there as well. And worldwide, we're seeing... Global growth rates of five to six uh, this year uh, and four to five next year. So strong growth rates as a a result.
0: Yes. My company, the company that I represent, uh, Eventable, is actually a review platform for B2B events. More like, say, a TripAdvisor, but more B2B event focused. You know, in an age, we're in an age where likes and dislikes are published almost immediately after going through an experience. So do you personally look at reviews online before making a purchase? Or, uh, you know, what, was it just simpler to go by recommendation? You know, what do you think? What is your um, opinion? Well, you
1: know, the, I think it was David Ogilvy used to say that the most powerful um, or one of the most powerful ways is word, word of mouth. Or well, certainly if it wasn't David Ogilvie, many people said word of mouth is the, the most powerful, and of course, that is the reason why influences, uh, the reason why recommendations, whether they're online or word of mouth, are so powerful. So reviews are just online word of mouth. And you know, if if somebody gives you a point of view, somebody whose view you value, you think is is a good good view, an important view, you will follow that advice. And I and I think word of mouth. I mean, all all we're talking about is a modification on a very old line, which is word-of-mouth advertising. So the answer is it is very powerful. It's dangerous to abuse it. I mean, as you've seen in India, there have been cases of influencers being paid to influence and the product or the service not living up to the promise. And and there's been a bounce back and, quite rightly, repercussions. But having said all that, I think it's obviously an important area. It's not a sole area. But it's an important area, right? and I do read reviews, and I do listen to what other people say about products and services. I'm influenced, just like anybody else.
0: Right? Uh, you have uh, you've accomplished so much in your life. Uh, you know, uh, what is the long game for you? Number one, number two, what advice would you give to say a Sir Martin Sorrell in his twenties, looking back?
1: So, what was the first question? Get I mean, the advice is to to learn Chinese. Oh. Um, <laughs> and to learn code. So those will be the two things. So geographically, you know, China and India are going to be the growth economies. So that's one thing. So that's the geographical bucket. S4 is 70%. The Americas, 20% Amir, and 10% Asia Pacific. And our objective is 40-20-40 because of the importance of the Indian and Chinese economies. You know, China will be the biggest economy in the world Mm -hmm. by 28, I think it is not by per capita basis, but overall. And of course, India will be the most populous country. And India GDP will continue to grow quickly once, uh, of course, we're out of this pandemic situation. So I'm very bullish. I'm a raging bull on on India, and I must say on China too, particularly in an Asia-Pacific context. So that's one thing. The other thing, of course, is code, which is another language, but it's a language for tech. And it's to indicate that the important areas... Are to learn languages in countries where growth is important and, of course, to learn languages where growth is important per se, which would be tech. What was the first part of the question?
0: No, I just said that uh, you've accomplished so much. So what is the long game for you now? Like, uh, what do you look for? No, I, I, to- I
1: think with, with S4, we, you know the mission is to create a new advertising and marketing services model because the old model is past its sell-by date. People think it was created in 19... 19- 80s and 90s, created in the 1950s by Marion Harper, IPG. It's been there for 70 years. McKinsey says the average company lasts about 17 years in the S&P 500 or FTSE 100. So it's passed itself by day. A new model is needed. So the game, or I think you use the word game, the objective is to build a new advertising and marketing service model and disrupt the old. So we're, we're like a grand example like tesla like amazon we're trying to disrupt an industry in a significant way
0: what is the one campaign across platforms that's at the top of your mind right now or your personal no, I, favorite? Never,
1: I never answer that question because, but you never do. Um, no because it's just invidious to pick out you know I, I would pick out one of our our campaigns and people would say he would do wouldn't he I'd would pick out somebody else and now people would say why did you do that? Or well, one client okay. would object. The one mm. I found funniest was a, a Berlitz. One of our agencies at WPP up in the Nordics did a, a language um teaching ad, which was hysterically funny. It's about um, it's a, a couple of German coastguards. Um, coast Guards. It's a German Coast Guard who whose English was a little bit uh, ropey. It's on YouTube actually. I think it's Berlitz. I think it was Berlitz. Worth watching because it's quite funny, but it appealed to me. But that's the only one I've ever really quoted.
0: Okay. Any experiences about India you'd like to share? Um, your visit to India in the past?
1: Uh... Well, we don't mention the cricket. I've been, you know, I, I haven't seen all of India. I wish I had, but I've been around a fair bit. Um, you know, beyond Delhi and Mumbai or New Delhi and Mumbai, and I love India as you know. I like. I love Indian food, particularly with mango chutney, which no Indian can understand why I would. I would, you know, a, a nice chicken curry with with mango chutney is something I adore. And Ranjan Kapoor used to be, and his wife Jimmy, you know, used to entertain me with uh, a very good curry, and I always enjoyed that. Always enjoyed it too much, and always put on a lot of weight when I was there. And also love to play cricket there. I mean, Ranjan yeah. arranged for us to. Have a, it was at the University of uh, Mumbai, Bombay University. And, oh, and I think Venkat had a ground there which Elf, if I remember right, the Elf sponsored it and it was mm-hmm. roped off from the, or not, it was boarded off from um, where you'd get killed, you know, on those those grounds that, that were next to one another. So it was boarded off and that. We had a, it was a nice ground and we had a, I think it was WPP versus Ogilvy and they let me oh. bat, and they, they got me out but let me stay in. They, they tried to humor me by very early in the morning. We started very early in the morning. You know, I think we played for about three or four hours and it was great fun and it's always great fun there. But the trouble is the Indians are too good at cricket for us. They're too good.
0: That's, that's a very sweet compliment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just one last question. Any recreational activities? I'm sure cricket has... You give so many. Well,
1: I'm going to play in a couple of weeks. I have my annual two games, but they're actually colliding on the same date. So I usually play in a pro am, not very well, but I totter around the field for a bit. But we're going to have a, a celebratory um, WPP cricket match um, in June. So I'm looking forward to that. So uh, that's the extent of my activities. So I do a bit of skiing. Still manage to get onto a pair of skis occasionally. But that's about it. And I go to the gym. I go to Oh, the you gym. go to the
0: gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, twice a week. Twice a week. Right. Twice a week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like. Only twice a week. I wish it was more than that. It should be three times a week.
0: Thank you, Sir Martin, for the wonderful Pleasure. insights. And uh, it was an absolute amazing experience to meet you and also chat with you.
1: Thank you. You're, you're so good, Ranjani. You should be in the advertising business.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> it. Thank you, I'm humbled. Thank you very much. Thank you. God
1: bless. Bye.
0: Bye.